0: I'm going to start this at the end, quoting the closing paragraph of an op-ed piece written by my guest on today's episode of Africa's State of Mind, open quotes. I'll tell them that on a bright summer night in St. Petersburg, our super eagles gave so much more heart than our government, country or world has displayed in years. And to me, that will always be something to be proud of, because if there's anything this world desperately needs more of at this time in our history, it's human beings with a little more heart close quote close quotes. the last ten years have been a sort of renaissance for Africa where internally we've seen a shift in terms of mindset, especially young young Africans but globally too the world has realized that they need Africa. Arguably, music and popular culture has led this entire revolution, and Nigeria undoubtedly has been a leader in this field. My guest on today's episode of Africa State of Mind, Banky W, is right in the middle of this. If he isn't reshaping the music industry with his music and winning awards and just passing new ways for people, and also being credited for actually signing people like Wizkid to his label, he's featuring on high-grossing movies like The Wedding Party. If he isn't one of the most followed people on social media in Africa, he's hosting. Stages around the world like one Africa Fest. If he isn't cooking and pretty well, because I tasted it at Chin's birthday party, <laughs> he's writing well thought out pieces. If he isn't invited to do a reading at Jay Z's launch for the Four Double he's hosting President Buhari at, shri- at the shrine in Nigeria. And to think this all started when he dared to pack his bags and move back to Nigeria way before it was popular. And it seems that there's no stopping him at all. He is the definition of changing the African narrative. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Olobankole Welling- Wellington, a.k.a. Mr. Banky W. He didn't just come to sound wow. register, he came to play.
1: Banky! Yay! <laughs> Wow, Leslie, I should take you when I'm going for shows. I'm telling <laughs> you, I'll be like the hype person. I was like, oh, who's this guy? <laughs> How are you doing? Banky? Thank you. Thank you. That was very nice. I appreciate thank that. You. Thank you. So much.
0: I'm really so excited to have you on the show. So I was trying to think of a way to what my opening question would be. And as I was doing research, as I mentioned, um, when we were offline, was basically was that I realised that between me and you, we've actually worked together quite a lot. So I thought, do I start with a story about O News Kenya, you hosting the Channel O Awards, the the NYU screening of Mercy, the Breakfast Club show, the Future Awards when we were backstage, (laughs) Chin's birthday dinner, some key moments, at key moments, (laughs) the Ghana Music Awards, if you remember, (laughs) yeah, yeah, lots of key moments. And then I thought that this is the great story to start with. I don't know if you're going to remember this, and I hope that my memory doesn't fail me. Mm -hmm. It was when and I just joined on as head of Channel O Africa and Chun had thrown the party um for Channel O at the um mansion. Do you remember? And afterwards um Yeah, because yeah, I think that this introduces your, your your one of your aliases, Mr. Lagos party very well. So anyway, after the after mm-hmm. this party we went to um we went to an after party so to speak. Um and then I remember Uh-oh. you Yeah, you <laughs> said Yeah, now you remember, you said specifically to me it was it was you, it was Lynx, it was Obi it was chin and then you said to me Leslie, so you're not going to let me make your hennessy I said, what and chin is you're like not, you're not going to let me what mix your drink do you remember and i was like i was oh, like okay yeah, i was like no banky then you said just one you have to taste one drink that i will mix just <laughs> one <laughs> and i was like okay i remember this yeah, yeah i'm like into mr lagos party banky welcome to africa state of mind thank you so much for joining
1: Thank you so much for having me, man. You just took me back. That was that was a good day. That was a good day. It was a really good day. Now, I tend to be the bartender when I'm when I'm amongst friends. Yeah,
0: and I'm not a drinker. I'm the guy
1: that wants everybody to be good. Yeah. I'm, I'm the I'm the caretaker and the bartender. Yeah,
0: you make you make sure everybody's happy, which is all good. <laughs> now, um, yeah. Banky, now before you you became all of these incredible things that you are, you know, and and. And everything you had quite a few interesting jobs. I think one of them was selling knives or something like that. Talk to us about some of your oh, yes, your more yes. humble beginnings.
1: Oh man, I've had a very interesting work career. Uh, my first job was in McDonald's. I was working the grill in McDonald's. Um, <clears throat> after that, I, I uh, kind of bounced around a bit. Did a lot of retail, you know, clothing stores. Um, at one point, I was a knife salesman. And you had to kind of call people and make these pitches to sell these really expensive knives. But I didn't last very long because yeah. I didn't think that the knives were... Like, that's where I decided that I would only sell things that I believe in because I thought the knives were too expensive. And somebody bought, like, the most expensive stuff and I couldn't sleep at night. I was like, oh, man, this is terrible. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I quit my job. I never went back.
0: Now, now also, just, I mean, with all of that, um, you know, I, I, if I'm not mistaken, I think that your parents were very much like typical African parents where they were not trying to have you go into the creative field. It was not, you know, and you had to kind of make a barter of sorts in order to do that?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you know, my parents, I, and, and I tell young people now because, uh, you know, I know that the mindset amongst parents towards, like, entertainment and art has changed. Um, Whereas back in the day, if you told your your parents you were into music or, you know, fashion or anything like that, they would think that you were crazy because you had to be an engineer or, you know, a lawyer or a doctor or something like that. So, you know, that's from the time that I come from. And I tell kids all the time, it's really from a place of love and concern because they just want to make sure their kids are okay. And to them, engineering and things like that represent that safety. So, you know, back in the day... um, my parents were a little nervous about me, um, kind of quitting my job and coming into the music business. Mm. But to their credit, they gave me their blessing. Eventually, after a lot of conversations, and uh, you know, they they couldn't be happier today, and I couldn't be either. And I, and I love them. You know, they they've been awesome. They've All been it. a great support system.
0: It's always awesome how, in retrospect, we just tell we can just see that our parents always had our best interests at heart. You know. It's like it's always retrospect. Yeah, I
1: know. I yeah. think it's the closer, the older you get, <laughs> you start to think more like them.
0: <laughs>
1: exactly.
0: Now, Yankee. another thing, you know, that I did want to, you know, kind of get into in terms of your backstory. You, when you move, decided to move back to Nigeria, you know, because you were in Yankee… You know, let me just use. <laughs> you were in Yankee, yeah, and most people. Yeah, you, you yeah.
1: Turning into a Nigerian program, Leslie.
0: I'm telling you, I'm telling you, <laughs> and you know, I um, mean, obviously, it for most people, the whole idea was to stay in Yankee or to go there or whatever the case may be. You know what I mean? And you're like a passport-holding mm-hmm. member of of the states and everything. What was the decision, especially mm-hmm. back then? What What was it that made you decide that you wanted to go back um, to Nigeria to start out your music career? What was the trigger?
1: Um, You know, for me, it was, um, you know, I was in the States. I had graduated. I was working in the engineering field, you know, um, and my job was good, but I had started kind of releasing music while I was uh, in university Mm -hmm. and that was growing and growing. And then at some point I started kind of, you know, I, I started off making just, if you want to call, call it call it a, a Yankee R and B music, <laughs> and then at some point I came into people like LD and Two-Face, you know, who were performing and doing things in the states, and you know we would we would link up, and I would either open for them or or you know I just started listening to more of the music, and I just felt that this is what I had been missing all along. Like this is this was like the, the, mm. the this was me. This is where I was supposed to be. This was my calling. Like, I was supposed to be part of this group of people. Like, I wasn't I wasn't in the right place, you know? And um, so I, I just felt like I wanted to be part of the scene back home. And then the music made its way into Nigeria, to the point where I actually had my first major radio interview on the phone. I was still working in school, and, I, and a radio station um, from Nigeria called me to have that interview, say, oh, we're playing your music. And so that just kept tugging at my heart. And, you know, the thing about Destiny is, like, until you find your passion and your purpose and your destiny, you'll never really be satisfied. You'll mm. never be happy. Mm. You know, you could be, I, I had a great job out of the university. I was making a lot of money. Uh, I was making, you know, I don't want to call figures, but I was making <laughs> a lot of money. Um, but I was I was empty. Like, every mm. day that I was in the office, I felt like my heart was supposed to be somewhere else. Mm. You know, I, I would be, you know, listening to Nigerian music, watching the news. You know, getting, you know, hearing that my song was being played, I, I, I was just unsatisfied, I was unfulfilled. And so I wrestled with the decision because, you know, obviously my parents and my siblings don't live in Nigeria. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they were all in the States or in other parts of the world. So I wrestled with the decision for a while and then I eventually came to the point where I was like, you know what, if I don't try anything, if I don't say that I tried then I'll never be happy.
2: Mm.
1: You know, I, I can live with trying and failing. I can't live with not trying at all.
2: Yeah.
1: And so that was the conversation I had with my folks. And I said, listen, I have, I just have to do this now. Like, I'm not married. I don't have a kid. If I'm ever going to take this risk, you know, I'm only responsible for myself. And I have a degree, you know, so I can always come back and get a job or get a second degree. But I just I just need to get this out of my system to know that I gave this my full-time attention and boy,
0: am I glad that I did! <laughs> I, I I think everybody's glad that you did. You know, cause, um, you know, I was <laughs> trying to. Good. Yeah, cause you know, honestly, what I think about you the most, you know, just as you were speaking, um, you know, I feel that you're the kind of person who, in the in the um entertainment industry as a whole in Nigeria and to some degree around the continent, you're the person who always supports people as they come in. Like you, you know, there are very few people who have like. The purest intentions, let me say, in life in general. But what what my encounters right. with you have been, and I think why people tend to want to work with you, and everybody has these long stories about Banky, is because you literally are in it to support everybody else, and you have this mentality that as other people grow, you you know what I mean? Like it's 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 like a benefit. So I think that that's yeah, something that absolutely. plays. I mean, is that something that you learned as a child? Because I know that you've got like a praying mom. I remember when she sent you a prayer while oh, we were in yeah. Kenya. <laughs> I was like, what are you yeah, doing? You yeah, said I'm
1: a reading prayer a prayer. <laughs> if she is nothing else, she is a prayer warrior. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, you know, I, I think that it's um, I think it's a combination, you know. I think yes, you know, parents have the utmost responsibility, especially in the beginning, to set their children on the right path. So, you know, I, I've always found it funny when when people you know, kind of points to the to the musicians or whatever, or the, or the actors or whoever in society first. The actual role, that responsibility falls on the parents first. Like your parents are your first role model. So it's the things that they instill in you that you grow from and, and you hopefully keep even as you grow older. Mm. So first it was the parents. And then I think it's also just a combination of life experiences shaping who you are and your mindset and your mentality and just the decisions you make for yourself, mm. you know, you know, the kind of person that you decide that you want to be. Um, and so for me, I, you know, I've always kind of, you know, things like we rise by lifting others, like I really believe those things. You mm. know, I I, I feel like God put me in a platform to be able to open that platform out to other people, to, mm. to have other people kind of launch off and do what they want to do. And so for me, as soon as my dreams started to come true, like if, this was always part of the plan to, You know, help artists and producers and pretty much I I have a a theory that I try to make work in my life, which is that wherever I am and whoever I work with, they should be better off after we're done working together. I like that. You know, because that's I feel like that's that's that to me is like. Success is not success, and greatness is not just about what you get, but it's also about what you give. I love that. And so if you can give to others or give back to your community or give back to your country, those are the things that I'm essentially obsessed with.
0: Yeah, sure. I really like that. And, you know, just, I mean, one of the successes that you, you've had in the music industry, which, again, is testament to you really pushing other people and supporting other people around you was around um, EME and I think that the story of EME has been told so many times I think you guys are the most Googleable whips I mean Googleable label in in Africa so we won't go into that but but I did want to go into two things around EME the first thing about the fact which I think is really powerful the fact that EME was formed off a friendship so your best friend Tunde um, is your business partner and oh, then yeah. his older brother Shagun and Shagun sorry let me speak in my Nigerian accent or and then <laughs> <laughs> and then and then also you know the, the I mean I think it was last year where there was a shift with regards to what the business structure was going to be around EME. So if you could please tackle both of those,
1: yeah. Okay, so um, so EME was started uh, back when I was in my third year of university. This think was like two thousand um, and two, two thousand and three, and Sunday was in university as well. Um, so we started at that point. and the plan was always to start as a record label and then branch off into other kinds of businesses and which is why we called it empire-made entertainment because the plan was to build an empire Mm. um and also an empire that other people could launch off and do their thing as well so we started as a label and that label was in existence in nigeria from about 2008 to 2017. and then we started getting into other lines of business we kind of had a shift in focus for a few reasons. We just, over the years, like our focus changed, our our revenue model changed, and you know we felt like we'd done what we were going to do in the record label business, at least for now. You know, we you know, and and Wiz is one success story, but uh, quite a few people that are working in the business now. Um, got their launch off of the EME platform. Yeah. You know the WizKids, kids, the scales, DJ exclusives, mm-hmm. even the you know the managers behind the scenes like Osage. You know, Anwell was once a PA in EME and now he's like a photographer. So you know we we are we're grateful that as a label, a lot of people launched off into their careers, uh, and we were able to be instrumental or well, used by God. Really is how I feel. Mm-hmm. Um, in setting up multiple careers and, and in the successes that we did have but then with time we just we noticed that we had a, a major impact in other areas so in in the field of media and in a lot of the corporate clients that we worked with we found out that we started getting involved in their marketing campaigns and their advertising campaigns and in you know just the launch of their products you know producing their events and and things of that nature and that started to be like what the business model was focused on and what was really bringing in the revenue. And so we made the decision that, you know, we did the label thing for almost 10 years and it was great. You know, we we had some wins and, you know, we had our, we took our lumps, but we did good by and large. But I think that, you know, it's kind of, you know what I like to use? I like to use the story of Jay-Z with Roc-Nation becoming, I mean, Jay-Z with Rockefeller becoming Jay-Z with Roc-Nation. You know, it's like you start off as a label, kind of like a crew, you know, and then, and then you become a company and then you realize that, you know what, there's so much more that this company should be doing mm-hmm. as opposed to just focusing on what's my next hit single. Mm-hmm. So we still have the business of talent management, but now we're not just limited to musicians. Now we work with actors, we work with OAPs and personalities, people like Ibuka, My Wife, Tools.
0: Ah, uh, your wife yeah. Say it again, oh, oh.
1: Yeah, My Wife, <laughs> hello. <laughs> In case I didn't say that clear enough. Yeah. But now, you know, we, we feel like we're we're doing a lot more, yeah. um, and and we're and our impact is 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 much further than we've had as a as a record label, as a media company. We're helping corporates. Some of we have some of the biggest companies in Nigeria that we work for, and we do some very good work for,
2: mm-hmm.
1: and we're proud of that. And at the end of the day, it's about impact, right? So. It was never supposed to be just about hit songs. It was supposed to be about impact, and that's what we're
0: doing. Uh, and I, I really love the fact, um, you know, that you know that you and Tunde and Shogun sat, sat together and, you know, you just decided about, uh, you know, diversifying the business that you do. Because I think it's even a great analogy when you look at economies around Africa as a whole. You know, one of the biggest issues yeah. is that we don't have enough diversification. So if you don't have enough diversification, you're going to get lost along the way. You're not going to, you know, you'll get stuck yeah. in a moment, you know. So I think that that's, you know, credit to you guys for that um Mm -hmm. and and then i also wanted thank you very (laughs) much i also wanted to get into something because um you know because there's always this thing that if you're you know like if you're a slash 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 you know what i mean like rapper slash actor slash (laughs) you know it's always going to be like (laughs) and you know it's. i
1: think i'm the definition of slash slash
0: slash, okay (laughs) You, you are you are you are mr slasher Let me give you another name. (laughs) But now, um, you know, let's talk. Let's talk a bit about you know just with regards to the wedding party. That was one of my favorite movies. I think I literally watched it like oh, thank you. Yeah, I watched it like six six times plus. Even the the, you know you know the one yeah the one theme about are you a thief or a robber. like what's the difference <laughs> that that is how much i watched it but, but let's talk about getting into into acting and just your your relationship i'm um, working relationship with Moabudu, who's one of the you know in terms of what she's doing in terms of media in africa is phenomenal let's talk a bit about that
1: yeah um so so the uh, interesting thing is i would actually been acting since i was a kid oh wow so okay. all through my school years i was i was into music i was i was acting I would star and sometimes I would write and co-direct the school play <clears throat> excuse me, with my teacher. And so it was something that I, I was always interested in from the very get-go. But as I grew older, music obviously was my first love, so I focused more on that. Mm. Um, but over the years, um, people, some people don't realize that I had done uh, MTV Sugar, I had, you know, done a little cameo and said, yeah. okay, this movie. Yeah. I actually had a recurring role on the final season of Jacob's Cross as well. Oh, wow. And so, sure. yeah, so I, so I had been kind of testing the waters and getting my feet wet mm. and using all of these learning experiences waiting for the right opportunity to do my own film um, as an actor and as a writer-director. But in any case, then one day Moabudu called me and, you know, as you know, she's She's a, uh, I don't know, I don't know, I'm, you know, I, I don't think there's anything that needs to be said that hasn't been said already about how great um, no, yeah. and how legendary Moabudu is. Yes. But so Moabudu calls me and says, hey, you know, we have this film, uh, Kenny is directing, and, you know, we want you to lead for a part. So, you know, you take that call, <laughs> obviously. <laughs> yeah,
0: and, everyone um, answers her.
1: <laughs> yeah, and uh, so, so, you know, so I came for the audition, and I really fell in love with the script, the story. <clears throat> I could see, I could see it. Like I could see it being a, a, an incredible project. And I appreciated that they called me to audition because they were taking it very seriously. You know, they weren't just like, oh, you know, here we have a role for you, here we have a role for you. You know. Mm. So I went for the auditions and uh, thankfully I scaled through. And thankfully my wife scaled through as well because she auditioned. <coughs> and uh, I really feel. <laughs>
0: I do. yeah. If there's
1: one thing I'm grateful to Mo for is that, you know, she put that movie together. Yeah. And I'm grateful to Kenny I did that because she directed it and it was incredible. It was. Yeah. And I'm grateful to Tosin and, and 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 the reason is I feel like, you know, we created a moment in African art history. Mm. You know, like I feel like I feel like, you know, like, I feel like, you know, like in America, if you were part of the people that made like Sound of Music or something Mm. like that, like Mm. one of those movies that will be around forever. One of those stories that Nigerians from now to Kingdom Come will be proud of, hopefully Um, one of those movies that everybody just kind of fell in love with Mm. and that I got to play a, a, a bit of a role in that, you know, something that I'm very grateful for in my career. I love that film. Uh, and it opened the doors for me to do more films. In fact, I'm just coming up with... I told you, I was filming overnight. Yes. I'm uh, working on this movie called Up North. Uh, and I'm I'm the lead actor and I'm executive producing with, with um, a couple other people. And it's an incredible, incredible story. Sure. Um, but I, I don't know. Maybe I'll talk about that before the interview is over because I feel like I'm talking too
0: much. No, no, no. Please go right ahead. <laughs> it's, it's totally fine. I think... Yeah, I mean, you, could you talk a bit about what the movie Up North is about? Because, I mean, I don't want to think that I know what it's about you know based on everything that's been going on in Nigeria yeah. can you give us like a brief um, picture of what it's about
1: yeah so up north is, is um, it's directed by Sokrat Oshin mm-hmm. uh, it's produced by Anacoli films and it's a story about um, man it, it's such an incredible story I have to tell you like I read scripts and, and stories all the time like this story is, it just blew me away and it's mm-hmm. about this kind of spoiled black rich kid's who's like living the life abroad and then his father wants him to come home, come back home and take over the family business, but of course he's a rebel and he's not interested in the family business. And so the father cuts off his money and forces him back home. And in their clash, the father punishes him by sending him to do his NYSC, which is like the youth yeah. service in okay. Nigeria.
2: Yeah.
1: And of course he sends him to somewhere like remote that the boy has never even heard of, which is a, a state called Bauchi. Yeah. Um but in sending him to Boucher to punish him, um, that experience turns the boy into a man, you know. So he yeah. goes up, he, he falls in love with like the community, he falls in like he, he learns responsibility, he falls in love with the lady from the north. Um and then and then it, it also kind of breaks down stereotypes because he, he ends up training these group of girls, um, like the school team, the school running team. Um, and they break through that stereotype about girls going to school and girls being able to participate in sports, especially in the north. Yeah. You know, because as you know, the north has these connotations and this reputation. Some of it is deserved because that is where the bulk of the terrorism acts in Nigeria have been committed. But also they're there's much a part of Nigeria as legacy, yeah. you know, and we don't we don't realize, you know, you know, it, it's <clears throat> excuse me, it's it's frustrating because we don't realize, like we we tend to look at the north as a different country, or you know, we, we've gotten so used mm. to the bombings and all of that that you, you forget that there are children there, you know, there's schools there, there are kids there, there are families there, there are stories there, there's beauty there, there's love, there's joy, there's peace. You know, and and so this movie is very ambitious in the fact that it touches on all these things. And it also touches on the beauty of Nigeria. Because mm. what people don't realize, you know, I mean, you're you're in, I think you're in South Africa still, no?
0: Yes, I am at the moment, yes.
1: Yeah, so, so people go to South Africa and to Kenya for these safari experiences to look at these exotic animals. Mm. People fly in from all over the world and stay at these amazing resorts. And I've done that. I've been to the safari in Kenya. I've been to is the Bula Ranch in, uh, outside of Johannesburg. I've been to these places, and they're beautiful. And it, it was so amazingly frustrating to me to know that we have these animals in Nigeria. Sure. I saw giraffes, the uh-uh. most beautiful, majestic creatures in Bouchy. Wow. But I saw them with my two eyes like this. I see from. <laughs> like, you, because I
0: even me, like I'm doubting. Somewhere. I'm even doubting when you say you saw Magista, giraffes in Nigeria. Said,
1: when, because when we were getting ready for the film, right? And they, they would send the crew there and they would send these pictures. I thought they were lying. I yeah. thought they were exaggerating. Or maybe they were stock pictures from Yankari Game Reserve and Sumo Park 20 years ago, but it, you know, it's not there anymore. But yeah. just I went there, I saw it. I saw them with my eyes. I saw donkeys, I saw deer, I saw giraffes, I saw a buffalo, I saw, you know, and, and and we only had a couple of days. So, so if I had more time, I probably would have seen, I don't know, everything, yeah. you know. And, and it's so frustrating that all of this exists in Nigeria, but we just don't know and we don't use it and we don't showcase it. And so we're either known for music, which is fantastic, and art and, and movies, which is great. So we could be known for tourism, you know, yeah. where, 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 where unemployment is a huge problem in the country. But we have a massive tourism industry that's dormant, that's not doing anything. Yeah, You know, and so, so this film, I know I've been talking for a while, but this Notice. film is about love between a man and a woman, love between a man and his family, love between a man and his community and his country, and about Nigeria, about the beauty and the struggle and the pain and just everything that Nigeria is. And I'm so proud that I'm part of it. And I'm so excited. And I can't wait for the world to see us it's, more. It's
0: incredible. I actually can't wait to see it either. I mean, a lot of what you said, you know, I mean, as you know, I think I've been to Nigeria half of my... <laughs> my existence Mm -hmm. but it's like you know when you describe these other parts of Nigeria like it's just things that also sound a little bit alien to me and it's not it's not celebrated Mm -hmm. enough you know so I just think it's really it's Mm -hmm. exciting that there's this whole new coming of age and everything and hopefully through this film up north and just through other things that are happening in Nigeria and I feel with Africa as a whole that our stories will be different because when we tell our own stories we dictate how people are going to see us so I think that it's really powerful
1: exactly Yeah. exactly now, like, that's why I love the wedding party movie because yeah. it's, it's our story it's our culture it's how we do things. everybody yeah. has a, a, a an aunt or a mom like like uh, I everybody a mom, yes. character everybody has you know the, you know every, these are stories that we live every day we yeah. and these things are happening to us and when we are able to capture them in the right way then then the world can can really see us for what we're, what we should be seeing as. Definitely You know.
0: Now, now Banky Another thing that um, You know that you're Quite active in And I think a lot of people In Nigeria may be aware um, You know but perhaps People around the continent Are not quite aware Is that I really love The fact that you're I don't know if I can use the word An activist Or you just speak The truth To power or that sort of thing You know I mean a lot of what you've done you've been involved In Occupy Nigeria which was huge You know Um, light up Nigeria enough is enough You know and there's actually I saw um, It was something you posted on your Instagram um, And to to paraphrase what you said You said every country has the leadership It deserves in Africa it has been Bad leadership and failed leadership But also a combination of that With citizen apathy If all of us show up to greatly To vote we will greatly outnumber The ones that are corrupt let's talk about the upcoming yeah. elections in Nigeria, let's talk about you know why you feel it's important to even just get people to actually register, you know, and this whole idea about yes. voting and, and registering, you know, from a Nigerian context and from Africa as a whole.
1: Yes, so, so, so I, I, I know some people like to use the word activist, I like to use the word I'm just a concerned citizen with a platform. Okay, I'm just a concerned citizen and I have a platform, and if I can use that platform to shift the needle and be part of the progress that I want to see, then that's what I'm going to do. Mm-hmm. And so, um, yeah, what I, basically what I said, and, and you paraphrase it excellently, excellently <coughs> excuse me, is that Africa is a problem of failed leadership, but mm-hmm. sort of citizen apathy. And for many years, I kind of focused so much on the failed leadership, right? So, occupying Nigeria, enough is enough, Uh, light up Nigeria, you know, these were movements that were trying to kind of square the pot and make noise and shed light on issues that we have with bad governance and and failed leadership or corrupt leadership or things just not getting done because the government wasn't doing them. And then, you know, election season started rolling around again, and I I had a sit down with myself, and I said, you know, maybe I've been talking to the wrong people all of these years. Mm maybe i shouldn't have been focusing so much on the government maybe i should have been focusing on the people because the truth is the power is with the people but until Mm -hmm. the people come together and the people realize that and the people decide to harness that power then anybody can steal it and use it for whatever selfish purpose that it is Mm -hmm. so in nigeria we have a problem many of our problems directly impact young people Mm -hmm. right Many of them, like young people, are starving of opportunity. Uh, the, the educational system is run down. Security, and it's not just terrorism, it's now the police force. that Some bad That's elements awesome, in the yeah. arm of the police are, are beating and killing and extorting our young people. And all of these things are facing f- young people. But young people seem to be content with sitting down and just pointing out the problems on social media. Now, social media is a very powerful tool. It's But it's not the only tool. In Mm. fact, it's just one step of the process. You actually have to come out and be part of the process. And that's what I'm trying to do, is to to get young people to realize that with the numbers that we have, we can influence policy. We can make them accountable to the offices that they hold. We can, but only if we take advantage of the numbers. And so if all of us sit down and nobody goes to register to vote, then they have no concern, because they are not concerned about losing their jobs to your vote. They're not concerned. You, like, they're not even part of the conversation. They have no need to address you in any way, shape, or form, or address any of the issues that affect you. Mm. But it's all of like, why was Obama able to ascend into the presidency? We're not even discussing what he did as a president, but just the fact that a black man like him was able to become president of America was because they, they focused on new voters. You need new voters in the system voters who are not tainted by corruption, voters who are not going to sell their vote for 5k and a bag of rice, mm. voters who, who are, you know, we like there's no see, see the, the truth is I'm as frustrated with the way things are in Nigeria as anybody is, but I'm grateful that this administration signed the bill called Not Too Young to Run. Yes, I thought that and was, you were the first country oh, that did so it. Long. Yeah. Yes, and for so long in Nigeria you had to be Basically, already an old man to, to run for president. Yeah. or to run for for most elect, uh, electable offices, you basically have to be really old. and And it's so counterproductive because you need somebody who's young, who knows about technology, who knows about what's going on in the world, and who can react dynamically. But just the very law, the very law that we had, prevented that from happening. So, if there's one good thing this administration has done. It said, you're not too young to run, mm. right? So now it's been signed into law and it's official. Like, you don't, I think the new limit is 35, I think, um, which is great. But that opens the door for anybody for, for anybody to become a candidate. But for any good candidate to actually fail through the system, we need new voters in the system. We need new people to, to come in that are not corrupted and tainted and, and already, you know, sold over to one side or the other side, we need people who care about the issues. Why do we have elections in this country, and they don't even debate? Mm, sure.
2: like, That's true. You don't even,
1: you, you want my vote, you don't even come against your main opponent and tell me why I should support you. Like, what kind of insult is that to the young people of this country? The last elections, I think we were trying to, this was, um, I think it was when Good Luck was going for his second term. Yes. And we couldn't even get, like, the major candidates to come on for an unbiased debate to argue about the issues. We couldn't even make that happen. I think eventually the incumbent president did one with NTA that they basically structured and he was the only person there. Like, I mean, like, come on. Like, Hmm. you want the votes of millions of young people in this country and you won't even tell us what you want to do for us against your opponent? No, we've we've missed the road. we're, we're, We're lost.
2: Yeah. Sure. And
1: so my 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 passion now is trying to show as many young people as possible that this this is important. You know, Nigeria is in a, it, it's it's ironic because it's, it's great and terrible at the same time. So we have the success stories like the Wizkids and the DeVitos. Uh We have you know we have the outliers. We have the you know the surgeon in the state who uh, did the thing about concussion and. You know, in entertainment and in fashion, we have people that are doing amazing things. Because Nigerians themselves are outliers. Nigerians Mm -hmm. are the most hardworking, passionate, talented people that you meet. But we need to get past the point where it's just those few success stories that we can point to. We need to get to the point where we actually have a conducive environment for the average Nigerian to be okay. The average Nigerian lives on on less uh, less than a dollar a day. (sighs) That's like, until we get the country to that place, We're not doing good, we're not doing good. We have the most children out of school in the world. In the world, we have the most children out of school. That's crazy. And yet our government, year after year, spends the majority of their budget on recurrent expenditure, on on running the government. And we were doing that when all prices were sky high, which was pretty much the only, at the time, the only source of income that we had as a country. And now the prices have crashed, like, there's no way forward. and so young people need to be i'm I'm hoping and praying that young people get frustrated enough that we come back to the table Mm. even if you don't know who you're going to vote for just register to vote first and then let's sit down together and decide and let's say you know what we have 20 million new voters in the system now if you want these 20 million votes tell us what you're going to do Mm. so that we can hold you accountable for that sure so that that's (laughs) Thank you. Are, you, are you really passionate when I'm talking?
0: About- no, I think I think it's incredible. But you know, um, what's quite interesting is that um. We've actually seen a shift A lot in the continent with all the work that we've Been doing where a lot of young people Have decided that in order to Take Africa forward it just seemed I don't even Know if everybody's aware that you know what you're Passionate about and what you're doing people around The continent are all feeling the same way we're like Africa is in the best Mm -hmm. and the worst Of times at the same time we need a Change we need Mm -hmm. this and it's the young people You know that are going to make that change I think I heard a stat that Mm -hmm. um, we're the youngest Continent in the world that's number one And by 2050 I think Mm -hmm. every Fifth person, if I'm not mistaken Is going to be an African Which means whatever happens here mm-hmm. Impacts the world, so we, like at this point In history, have to play a very Serious role, you know, and take it seriously And be passionate about mm-hmm. the decisions that are made Because, you know, no more Because from now onwards, every decision that is Made in Africa impacts the rest of the world That, that is the bottom line Absolutely. you know.
1: Absolutely now, Because, you know what, people Like, having human resources The way that Africa has been can be a gift or a curse. Mm-hmm. Because if there's opportunity, if there's, you know, if, if you're harnessing that, that human resource, if, you are, if those young people have jobs and, and opportunities to be entrepreneurs, and, you know, if you have all of that, then it's a gift, right? Because that's why America is so great, because we mm-hmm. have so many people. Yeah. And so many people are working. China, so many people, so many people are working but if you do not have opportunity for those people, then you are playing with fire. You're playing with a time bomb. And that's why it's so easy for your Boko Harams mm-hmm. and terrorist groups to cultivate people. Because at the end of the day, survival is a basic human instinct. People just want to survive. They want to live. They want to eat. They want to feed their family. And if a man is, or a woman is unable to survive or to eat or to feed her, his or her family, then
0: the next person
1: that gives them food becomes called to them Yeah. And so if, if Boko Haram is Somebody who wants to use terrorism To destabilize the country Comes along and he feeds you and takes care of your family You put a gun in his hand He will kill whoever he, you telling him yeah. to kill Because yeah. you've given him food So how about we just focus on that How about we just focus on making it okay For as many people in this country To survive and thrive as possible
0: mm. Sure Oh I like that I'm I'm not even going to add anything to that because I think that you've said I mean you know what is so like what you've said is so pertinent. Um you know at Banky you know I've I generally I think you're a nice guy. And generally I support <laughs> things that you do. Generally I'm happy for you. But mm-hmm. you know I don't have a I jealous mean,
1: Generally what?
0: Generally I support things that you do and I'm like yay Banky's winning. But but I didn't realize I had uh-huh, a jealous uh-huh. streak Until I saw one funny poster of you meeting with President Macron I was like what <laughs> I literally was like <laughs> I'm like why is this not hap-? And I'm, I'm not even kidding like I literally I, You know I literally was telling people I'm like am I the only person who has not met this guy Like what is happening <laughs> But <laughs> Talk to us about just that whole interaction With um, President Macron and how all that Happened and what the aim of his, uh, his Trip was and what your role was and um, while he was in Nigeria,
1: yeah. So, so, uh, so I had, the, as, you, as you rightly said, I had the, <laughs> the very um, high honor of hosting President Macron at the shrine, the New Africa Shrine in Lagos. And uh, for me, that's like a life highlight. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, it's, that's not something that I take for granted. Uh, you know, I, I, it was definitely an honor and a pleasure, and you know, I felt very blessed you know, by God and, and thankful to the trades family and everybody on um, and everybody for, for giving me that opportunity. And for me, it was a very inspiring experience because, number one, where we did it, right? So the New Africa Shrine, people, for people who don't know, was built in honor of Fela, arguably our greatest musician uh, in Nigerian history. But Fela stood for so much. Fela stood for, he was like a voice for the voiceless in the struggle against oppression and bad governance. Right, and so the shrine actually in its history has been attacked by the government of Nigeria. You know, they tried to bring it down. Mm-hmm. You know, this is the third one I think. Um, so it has a long history of culture and politics and just you know that struggle for for the average Nigerian, like we talked about earlier,
2: mm.
1: and that the president of France would come to Nigeria and come to shrine. Yeah, like people in Nigeria could tell you that. That's at like the marijuana headquarters. You know what I mean. Like, the shrine represents so much. It represents like freedom and liberation and the struggle against oppression, and you know. So it's like that he would come there was it was iconic and incredible, and yeah. that I was able to host it for me was incredibly inspiring. It was also inspiring because of what President Macron himself stands for. Mm. I mean, this guy's forty years old and he's the president of France. He's yeah. the youngest president in France's history. You know, he himself, he's a disruptive force Mm. in a different way. Just what the same kind of disruption that Fela was and that the Shrine is and that some of us are trying to be. It's like he represents that. He represents that breaking traditional rules. He represents that young person saying that, you know what? Why does this thing always have to be like this? Represents that that kind of rebelling against the establishment and saying, you know what? We need a new way um and so for me it was it was personally very inspiring and i hope that it was inspiring for the for the young people in nigeria to see and say you know what this guy is not that much older and much yeah. not that much different than you and i but look at what he's done with his life mm. and and what can we do with ours yeah. you know you so, sure. know so it was a great day it was a great night it was a celebration of african culture um they're, they're doing this season 2020 thing in France in 2020, where they're going to have like an African celebration mm-hmm. and kind of just celebrate the relationship and the ties between France and Africa, which are very, very strong. I mean, if you just look at their football team...
0: I know. <laughs> see, is going to win.
1: I'm... ...at the World Cup, <laughs> you know. So, so,
2: exactly. Yeah,
1: so I think it's a beautiful thing. Uh, I think it's great for France um, because it will help them to see us in New like, And it's great for Africa as well for us to be able to showcase again, what we're about and the positive things that we want people to know about us as a continent yeah, in most, a like finance.
0: Most definitely. Now, Banky, I just have four more questions for you and then, you know, and then I'll let you go on and do okay. your thing. So the one question okay. is, um, you know, you've had, I mean, You know, we've not really gone into the details of your career because I think, like I said, EME and you as well, you're one of the most almost like if you type in your name, so many things come up. So people know your story, you know. Um, I think it was, um, earlier on this year, um, where people found out about your struggle with, with a rare form of skin cancer and how you overcame that. If you can just talk to us a bit about that from the perspective of, I don't know how to put this from the perspective of the fact that no matter what you were going on in you know in terms of your health you just always yeah. I don't know Banky like you just always kept on I think that's why people were so surprised when the you know when it came out everyone yeah. was like what just talk to us about that fight against cancer um you know if if you care to yeah
1: yeah um so so uh, last year I had my third surgery um on cancer
2: mm-hmm.
1: I have these um of this cancerous tumor that, that grew in my right shoulder. And the first instance was almost 10 years ago, and then it came a couple of years later. And then I was good for many years. And then, ironically, last year when I came back, I was um, preparing for my wedding. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so, you know, we'd gone to the stage for like a summer holiday, and towards the end of it, um, I just I just noticed that it'd come back. So I went to get checked, and, you know, my fears were so we realised. And it was interesting because, you know, that's one of the times that, you know, it's supposed to be, you know, the happiest and probably the most stressful in terms of wedding planning and things like that. But it now kind of took on a whole new dimension with having to go back to surgery and treatment and just being out of the mix again and um, kind of struggling with that. But, you know, first of all, I just thank God um, because I think that he's the reason that I'm still alive and well mm. um, and that he's. You know, I don't think these things. You know, these things teach you not to take life for granted, not to take your health for granted. you get to live and breathe each day for granted because it's it's a gift, man. This life is a gift, and you Mm -hmm. never really know when your time is going to be up. God forbid, I still have. I feel like I still have another forty years to go. You know, but um, (laughs) Amen. But it reminds you. It reminds you not to take life for granted, Mm -hmm. and um, so I appreciate that I even had the funds. I mean, I'm part of this trust fund now called the pink oak um trust fund in nigeria and all we try to do is raise as much money to pay for people's bills for people who do have cancer because Mm -hmm. it's an expensive cancer surgery is expensive you know treatment chemo pills whatever it is that you need to go to it's an expensive thing anyway um so so the surgery came and and i I did that and thankfully i'm in the now and by the grace of god i'll be in the clear forever in jesus name um (laughs) And uh, you know, and that's all it is. And and the reason I shared it, um, because I remember at the time when I had the discussion with my wife and my family, you know, one or two members of my family were like, ah, you know, maybe you shouldn't, maybe you should, you know, this is one of the things that you want to keep private. And I said no. And the reason I said that is because I believe that sometimes God puts you through things to show other people that it is possible to make it out. Sometimes he needs to use people as an example. Hmm. He say, you know what, if this guy can face this thing and come out on the other side and still be fine and still go on, kick on and do great things, then you can do it too. Sure. And I said, you know, what good is it if I go through all of this and I learn all of these lessons about not taking life for granted and appreciating it and believing that no matter what I go through, I can survive and thrive and I can come out the other side and be strong and live a great, healthy, fantastic life. I just learned these lessons for myself Mm -hmm. and I don't share those lessons with somebody else because somebody else is Mm -hmm. gonna face the same scenario and they just maybe they just need to know that it's possible to be okay, that it's Mm -hmm. not a death sentence, that whatever however bad you whatever bad scenario you find yourself in, you can make it out. And as long as you're alive, as long as you're breathing, another day to keep doing great things. Mm -hmm. And so so I had a conversation with them and you know, they gave me their blessing and then I shared the story. And, and honestly, I'm so grateful that not only that I made it through, but that I also was able to share because I got so much mail mm. from, you know, random people who were like, oh, my God, my, you know, I'm going to the same thing or my sister is or my relative mm. is. And, you know, this was so encouraging to read. And, and that's what it's all about. You know, it's like, how can we use our platform or our lives or our stories or our experiences to help the next guy, yeah. the guy coming behind you? Who, who maybe just needs
0: to know That it's possible Sure And I guess that's what life is really about Hey, it's not even about It's never about us It's about the person who Who's watching us The person, you know It's about people in general That's what life is, you know
1: Yeah, God blesses you To be a blessing Yeah Not definitely. just for you to, to keep to, to, to be fine Exactly You to be a blessing to others
0: now, now, Banky, something else I was actually speaking to my producer Who's like my boss He's like towering over me Like, ooh. Anyway, I was saying, I said, yo, you know, Banky got his wife. He slid into her DM. He's like, I said, the guy slid into her DM. So all things are possible. All things are possible.
1: I didn't tell you. (laughs) If you believe.
0: (laughs) It is possible. But now, Banky, I I remember.
1: Believe it and slide in, my brother. Shoot your shot.
0: (laughs) <laughs> now, now also just to, to talk about, um, you know, you and Alisua, you're a beautiful couple, beautiful, beautiful. I remember for a while everybody was Thank like, you, when is Banky getting married? What's this? Bachelor, when Banky gets married, there's going to be a public holiday. Hey, you and Don Jazzy have been abused from the... <laughs> <laughs> you know, what 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 was it about Adesua that that was where you you knew? Because it seemed relatively quick. But what was it about her that you were like, okay, this is what it is? And also, i um, talk to us about the importance of healthy marriages versus a beautiful wedding.
1: Okay, um, so so shout out to my lovely wife. Uh, she's the most beautiful, incredible person that I know, uh, and I'm I'm very very grateful um to god that you brought her into my life can you hear me yes hello yes oh, i yeah sorry the line um, uh, the line was flickering um so shout out to my lovely wife she's she's incredible she's the most beautiful talented awesome amazing person that i know period and uh i'm grateful to god for bringing her into my life and and i'm so glad that i waited you know, it was she definitely was worth the wait. Oh. So even when everybody was like, "Oh, when are you going to marry?" I'm like, you need me." <laughs> you know, um, so yeah, so I'm grateful for that. Um, in terms of, you know, it's funny people think that it was very short, mm. first of all, but it's actually a two-year process from when we started talking to when we got married. Mm. Um, but for the first year plus, even though we weren't dating officially we were talking every day we were becoming closer we were working on the friendship and the relationship like we were moving you know we were progressing towards something mm-hmm. you know and for actually from the day that we started talking after we split in dm and you know i found a way to get her number i actually spoke to her every day till oh. today. like a day has not gone oh. by that i haven't spoken to her like from that moment from the moment that i got her number we speak every day, multiple times a day, for long conversations, just kind of getting to know each other and build the friendship and the trust and the relationship. And for us, it was important to, to put God into that equation. So we actually started praying when we knew that we wanted to be together. We actually started praying about our relationship before we officially kicked things off. Because I think that when you put God in the mix, yeah. then it's a more secure bond. And mm-hmm. this is, you know, I know I know there's a whole school of thought that maybe doesn't believe in God, and I'm not enforcing my beliefs on anybody else. No,
0: but this is your am, life, I'm so talking yeah. About
1: what works for me, yeah, you know, yeah. and for us, and for us, God was like, it was, he's he, the most important part of our relationship, um, and so you know, and I, and, and if I can advise couples, um, don't focus so much on the wedding day because that's one day. Mm. you know and, and before you know it that day is over mm. so yes have the wedding of your dreams if you can you know enjoy it have a beautiful ceremony have fun take pictures have the you know do your traditional wedding in Lagos go to Town for your, your wife <laughs> and go to Jamaica for your honeymoon you know but <laughs> after all of that is done it's the relationship that's left and that's the most important bit mm-hmm. so make God a part of that relationship you know, counseling is so important. Like there were so many things that we worked through in like months of counseling, and I have to thank after Tony and our church, Bishop's House, because they arranged for us to do it. And it was so so helpful because it, those are the tools that we draw on today. Because yeah. listen, it, you know, I'm a, I'm as romantic as they come. You know, I'm a lover boy. If you listen to my music career, you know, yeah. you know that that's what I'm about. Yeah. But aside from all of that, you know. Nobody's perfect, but you can be perfect for each other.
2: Aww. But
1: you have to be able to... You have to, You just have to find somebody that you, that is that you feel that is worth you striving for perfection with. You just you have to find somebody that's worth it. Somebody that you want to try with. Because nobody's exactly like you. Even if you found somebody that was exactly like you, even you do things to upset yourself. Like, you do <laughs> some stuff and you're like, man, that, bro, that was some dumb ish. Like, why would you... You know what? I'm yeah. done with you. Like, you... You have those conversations with yourself. So there's nobody that you'll find that you will not have some sort of conflict with. Yeah. But you just need to find the person that you are willing to try. You are willing to try to work on the relationship, try to work and build that life together. And I'm so grateful that I found my wife. And by the grace of God, never let me go.
0: Oh, I love that This is like People are like Making notes now Because your wife Is fine No, seriously Everyone is like Hey mm-hmm. My wife is fine <laughs> hey. oh, Kai
1: like today's bread I didn't mind <laughs>
0: <laughs> Now Banky ben- ben- If you can tell us um, You know For you, you You spend a lot of time winning Your life is, is Like a big win You know How do you deal with sure failure it again. Say it
2: again Sorry, I, said, I,
0: didn't hear you. I said your life Is pretty much a big win In general But how do you deal with failure
1: I think that, you know, here's the thing about failure. It's only failure if you give up. Mm. And it's only failure if you stop trying. It's only falling down in life, right? Falling down is inevitable. But getting back up is completely optional. And so for me, you know, as good as things look now, there's been years of struggle and trial. There's been years where I've come close to giving up. There's been years, there's been times where, you know, you hit rock bottom, like you completely hit rock bottom and you're depressed and you feel like you can't go on. But it's in those moments, those are the moments really that separate the people that become successful and the people that just give up. You know, one of those sayings that you hear all the time, but I love because they're completely true, is that the graveyard is the richest place on earth because Mm -hmm. so many people die with their dreams and aspirations and ideas that could have changed the world or changed lives or... You know that so many people die with those dreams and that it's so unfortunate because you know that's you know listen i i don't know how much i think we spent so much time that we we may need to have a whole other interview about this <laughs> but um i just feel like my life has not been one big win
2: mm. you know
1: my life has been a story of determination and a story of saying you know what i'm not going to give up on this thing i remember when i moved back to nigeria um, I, was, I moved back Valentine's Day, 2008. December 31st, 2008, going into 2000, I mean, yeah, going into 2000, so January 1st, 2009, I was so, like, beat down and downtrodden mm. because I had spent all year, I would spent all of the money that I had saved from my, from my job in engineering in the States, I had spent it on promo in Nigeria, video shoots, photo shoots, uh, DJ, uh, marketing you know, all of these things to try and push the music. And I was, like, I was dead broke, right? Sure. I was dead broke, like, to the point that I was borrowing $5,000 from Sheldon Demure every mm-hmm. Monday to put gas in, in one of his cars that he gave me to use and and to buy, you know, credit for my phone just to go out and try and hustle and push the music.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And I was so broke. I was so frustrated. And I was, like, I was at my wit's end because I had because I had, um, I was at my wit end because I felt like I had tried everything and the music was just not <clears throat> popping.
2: Yeah.
1: And, um, sorry, I got distracted here. Um, so I went to church December 31st to pray in the new year, as you know, as my mom taught me. And, you know, I was there saying, you know, people advised me not to come. They said it wouldn't work. And I'm still here. God, please help. Let this 2009 be my year. Let it be great. You know, I feel like this music is going to, this is my destiny. This is where I'm supposed to be in Nigeria. Please just just help me to make this thing work. Like, you know when you write your prayer mm-hmm. request down in your Bible? Prayer points. Of- you know that it's, it's <laughs> like you had, you had the point of just extreme frustration. Yeah. Like the car that I was using broke down everywhere in Lagos. Every major road in Lagos, that car had stops. So I was, you know, and, and I already had videos on television. So people would think, you know, it's, it's funny. Our business, fame comes before fortune. Yeah. Once people see you on TV, they think you're doing great. I was completely broke and depressed, and then I leave church and I get up. I get accosted by armed robbers, and they drive me around and it's the worst for five minutes of my oh life. My like they beat me up, they roughed me up, they robbed me. Like it was a, it was the most harrowing experience. Right? Sure. I'm staring down the barrel of a gun for a little under an hour, and. So I get home. At the time, I was even living in House because I couldn't afford my own place. Mm. I was living in a room in an attic because I couldn't afford a place. But God bless him and his wife, because without them, I definitely wouldn't be here. Mm. And then after getting robbed, and like, so now I'm sitting in my room. This is like the first week of 2009, and I'm depressed. I'm sad. I'm in shock because I've been robbed. I'm just, I'm completely like, my my mental state has never been lower. Just like the fact that I had had surgery on cancer before, that I had been through other things in my life. This was one of those ones where, because, you know, when I was coming back, people would say, oh, don't go, it's not going to work. They don't like your kind of music in Nigeria. You're not doing Afro You're not doing They're not doing Afrobeat. You are doing Afro-R&B. They're not going to like, you know. So I had, I had gotten all of these words and all of that, you know, and this, this pushback about moving home. And now here I am. I'm, I was already broke. I was already depressed. I was already tired. I was already frustrated. Now I've been robbed. Then... Somebody that worked in the house, got a little tipsy, took this car that I got robbed in, drove it over, I got there and crashed it into a wall, into mm-hmm. an electricity pole. This is after I had gotten robbed, right? So now, you, I, I cannot explain to you, depression is real. Mm-hmm. Because I, I felt it. Mm-hmm. Because I was I, was, I was going to was you in a sunken place. I was in a sunken place. Like, I was... Because the, and, and because I also felt like, man, this is my fault. Like, they told me not to come. I had a great job in America. I left all of that. People advised me that it would not work. And look, it's not working. Like, look where I am. Mm. Right? So this was my state of mind. And then, the thing about hitting rock bottom is that it can actually be a good thing. Because you know that it, it cannot get any worse than this. So, so... Is either I die, <laughs> but if I'm not dead and I'm still alive, then it can only get better from here. Yeah. Like there's, Literally, there's nothing else that can happen to me now that can make me worse off than where I am. So that I'm still alive and I'm still here, that's good enough. So now we move forward. right? Mm-hmm. So I had a conversation with Chego, and he said, okay, what do you want to do? You know, you have to channel this, this depression and this anger and this frustration. He said, Nigeria will do this to the best of us. But it's the people that can, can hold on and fight through this that turn it around. And so he said, okay, what do you want to do? I said, I want to work with Kobams. Because I had done like a commercial. Kobams oh, is today. incredible. Um, we yeah. had a connection. He's awesome. Incredible yeah. human being. Yeah. And I said, I want to work with Kobams. But Kobams is expensive. He was expensive <laughs> then it's he's expensive now. Don't let anybody tell you anything <laughs> different. <laughs> anyway, so he said, okay, how much is Cobams?" At the time, we weren't really friends. So I called his office. They told me the price. I said, oh, it's x amount he said okay so he went out he borrowed money from i think his father-in-law god bless him too came back and gave me the money in a nylon bag in cash and said here deposit this in koban's account use this for taxes just go and make a new your album sure. they didn't understand the last one and that's what we said so you know what they didn't understand the last album they didn't get it Ta-da-da. just do another one just ch- change the strategy you know it's the goal is still the goal, but there are many ways to score a goal. Mm. Maybe the way that you've been trying just not going to work. Maybe you need to think about it in a different way. And for me, up until that point, I would always done my production myself with, with my production partners in Yankee. So I said, "Okay, I'll start with Coban." And the first song Coban that I made was "Strong Team."
0: Oh wow! And, and the that
1: next was song I made was "Mega Party" with Doctor Fabs. Oh my
0: gosh! And, and those are iconic.
1: Yeah, those are iconic. And, and that's yeah. when and that's when the door and I. Leslie, I was at my darkest place.
2: Yeah. Like, sure. You
1: know when they say the dark comes before the, the dawn? Like, the, yeah. the night is darkest before morning comes. Mm. So sometimes, it just, just make it through the night. That's it. Yeah. This is your darkest night. Just make it through the night. If you wake up the next day, then you have another chance to turn it around.
0: Now, Banky, I know that you're the eternal optimist. Just in closing, I have to say, you're a sucker for punishment. Do you still support Arsenal? Like, seriously? I do seriously. It's like it's like you you you. No matter what, <laughs> Arsenal must do something.
1: Let me tell you what I say. You know everything. This is going to be. Oh Listen, please, I believe it,
0: Becky. I'm telling since you. Since I've you, known no, you, no, let me. Say, I just want
1: to <laughs> say this. I just want to say this. In defense of Arsenal fans worldwide, we had some good years, and then we had some not so good years, and we just needed a fresh. You know, we just needed some new ideas, like yeah. a new structure like we talked about earlier, you know, we we just, you need to change the approach, you know, and we've changed the approach. So everybody give us a little <laughs> break. Let's see what happens with Emory and the new administration, because we're going to be all right. Wenga, thank you very much. Merci, Ashton, We appreciate your work. We also appreciate you finally leaving, and we are going to be okay. you. Thank you very much. Banky. See,
0: every time Arsenal's playing... It's like your Twitter feed or people mentioning you. It's like everything goes up. I'm like, what? I'm like, there must be an I
1: Arsenal know, I, game. I said, the punishment in the country? In the yeah. Country on, upon myself. Yeah. I'm taking it, I've carried the cross. See,
0: those guys, they just have to give you like some kind of job. If they can wear like tops that say, you know, visit uh, Rwanda, they need to give you something for all that you've Absolutely. endured. Thank Please.
1: you, Banky W. <laughs> thank you, exactly,
0: <laughs> Banky. Thank you so so much for this conversation. It's, you know, I really was hoping it was going to be incredible, but it's exceeded my expectations. I meant everything that oh, I said.
1: I'm glad. Yeah. I had such a great time.
0: It was so awesome, and I meant everything that I said. I think that you definitely are one of those people. When history tells the story of Africa and just things that have happened, you're definitely one of those key players. So thank you very much. I'm amen, outs- amen. Thank outs- you so
1: much,
0: guys. Outside of your love for Arsenal. Um, and outside of the fact that you never invited me when you hang you, when you were hanging out with the president of France, uh, the respect is, is, is equal. <laughs> but thank you so much. Thank
1: <laughs> Thanks, Leslie. Much love. Thank you so much. Had a great, great conversation. Listen, you need to send me a copy. I think I should run this on my on my uh, platform as well.
0: Uh, no, definitely. A very good one. Definitely. Thank you so much. And Banky.
1: Congratulations to you and and best of luck with the project. Aww. You're an incredible person. I've, I've known and worked with you in many capacities over the years. And you've always been like anyone since day one. You've always mm. been top notch, classy. You've always delivered the best results in everything that we've ever worked on together. And I appreciate the friendship and I appreciate the working relationship.
0: Thanks, Banky. You're gonna make me cry. But have a good day. Love you, love you. <laughs> love you too, Banks. Thanks so much. <laughs> Take it, bye. Hi. Thank you so much to Banky W for spending time with us. That was Hands down, one of the best conversations that I've had. Um, it was a little longer than usual, but I think it was definitely worth it. Um, please do, um, be sure to like, share and subscribe if you enjoyed this, um, interview. Uh, please go to our Facebook page, which, which is Africa State of Mind. You can also tweet us at Africa State Mind. Um, and also please review and rate on, um, iTunes, which is Africa State of Mind with Lee Kasumba. It's been incredible. Um, yeah, I can't even say anything more. It's just been. Awesome. We'll catch you next week with another great episode. Okay. I'm
1: gone. Africa State of Mind with Lee Kasumba. Get it on iTunes now.